Welcome back to Making Sense of Money. Thanks for joining us today. I am Nikki Jancola Shanks. And I'm Jake Hamilton. On our last episode, we talked all about travel, such as tips on saving, how to make a plan, and how to protect yourself while traveling. Now that the world is opening up again, make sure to take a listen before you plan your next vacation. And I'm Andrew Pellerini, the last of your co-hosts. Today, we're going to talk about buying a car. Any large purchase can be overwhelming and requires a lot of planning. So today, our goal with this podcast is to help guide you through the process of buying a vehicle, be that a car or a truck or a van or a scooter, um, including kind of the, the true costs of car ownership and where to find some helpful resources. So to start off, um, let's be honest, there are many benefits to having a car, right? They're more, they can be more convenient and flexible than mass transit, like um, the Metro train or Amtrak or an L station, whatever you may take. It definitely takes less planning to get somewhere when you know you can just hop in your car at any time. I know for me personally, um, I work for the state in downtown Chicago. So sometimes, um, it, you know, I have to take the Metro and then walk and, and get downtown. So I have to leave at certain times. Um, whereas if I was just hopping in a car, I could just hop in the car when I want. Um, so it does sometimes take additional planning. But on the other hand, cars are more expensive and there are many different costs associated with them. That, and that's something that we're going to be talking about more in depth as this podcast goes on. So before you decide to buy a car, it's helpful to think if a car or truck, van, et cetera, is a need or a want. So what do I mean by that? So if you need a car, that means that you can't get to work or school via any sort of public transit. You... Um, have no one around you to carpool with to via, you know, to get to work or school or anywhere. Um, you can't get any essential services without a car. So for that, I mean, maybe there's not a good way to get to a grocery store or a bank or those types of um essentials that you need in order to survive. Not every place is accessible by public transit that way. Um, Another need may be that you have to drop kids off at school or a daycare and there's no other way to get there. You know, you may have to do that and then go to work and there's not a bus that's convenient to take your kids to school and then for you to be able to get to work. So a car is a want would look like if you have access to public transit transit or a carpool, but you're like, and eh, I just don't like public transit, but I have this option. Um, you, your own personal car as a want could also be that if you have access to a shared car, such as with your parents or a spouse or a significant other, um, but you still want your own. That's the difference is kind of when we talk about a car as a need versus cars a want. There are people who will absolutely have to spend the money on a car in order to live and get to work and you know do things for their family. There are people who don't need a car to do those any of those things that we talked about, but they may still want one, which is fine but that's more of a car's want. So that's the differences between a need and a want when it comes to car buying. Thank you, Nikki. I think it's also important to kind of acknowledge the fact that most people that live in rural America need a car or access to a car because public transit doesn't exist in cornfields. Yeah, Andrea and I live in the more less urban part of the state than Nikki. So I think our public transit options are maybe not as good. I don't know. Andrew, I mean, I live in Springfield. Andrea lives in Champaign. So like we have public transit. Like I could access like a bus to work or a bus to the grocery store if I wanted. But I think it's a little bit more inconvenient, at least uh, 
than having a car, it seems. For well, sure. And, and what I will say is I actually live in the suburbs of Chicago. So if I'm actually within Chicago itself, like mm. when I'm going downtown to, to work, I can get there via the Metro. I could hop on a bus. I could from the Metro to uh, the Thompson Center. I could walk a lot of what I need to do in the loop. Like everything is pretty walkable. Um, if not, I can hop on the L. There's lots of different choices. But even out in the suburbs by me um, in DuPage County, do we have public transit? Yes, we do. But it's kind of the same thing about in terms of if you are looking to go to the grocery store or anything like that. And, and even I was trying to look into some different parking solutions to the Metro for me to get to the Metro. And I was like, well, maybe I'll take the bus because there is a bus that goes. But then you really have to, because then your bus has to line up with your train time and the bus does not run like the buses do in the city. We're like, mm-hmm. there's just going to be another one in 10 minutes. So it's possible, but it, but it does require that extra planning. Yes, for sure. Uh, for a year, my husband and I shared a car. Um, and I think I was only able to do that because public transit was such a good option within Champaign-Urbana. Um, but definitely I used a car whenever I needed to go grocery shopping. So, but I just wanted to put that out there that most people, cars probably a need if you are self-sufficient, <laughs> right? If you, if you need to travel at all for work. Um, so, but let's say you decide to buy a car, whether that's uh, a need or a want, there are a few terms that you probably need to know about before you get started on that process. So a vehicle lease is when you pay to use the, a vehicle for a certain period of time, for example, maybe four years. Uh, this usually costs less than buying a car, but you don't own the car. It's more like a really long-term rental. And there are different details with vehicle leases that you have to make sure to read that fine print on. A warranty is a guarantee promised to you in a written format by the manufacturer of the car, most often, promising to repair or replace the car or specific parts within a specified period of time or up to a certain amount of mileage. So these can vary pretty widely in what they cover and for how long. Most vehicle warranties aren't gonna cover specific parts of the vehicle or situations. Understanding the terms of the warranty is really important for understanding what kind of value you're getting with that particular car, especially new cars. Some used cars may come with limited warranties or they may have a certain amount of time or mileage left on the original manufacturer's warranty, but it's best to kind of ask and make sure what the salesperson tells you uh, is listed explicitly in that paperwork that you sign and review. Extended warranties may be sold to you at the time of purchasing the vehicle or when your warranty expires. Uh, These types of warranties may also cover things that are not typically covered by the original manufacturer warranty, like some extra electrical features, for instance. Again, read that fine print. Um, A service contract is an agreement with your dealer that will cover the cost of servicing and maintenance of the vehicle, usually for a specified period of time or up to a certain amount of mileage. Depreciation is the reduction in value over time due to wear and tear on the vehicle. This comes into play when you're thinking of reselling your car or buying a used one, for instance. Vehicles often depreciate in value very quickly. You might've heard someone say that a brand new car depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot, which is typically true. Um, There are a few exceptions to this though. For example, did you guys know that Honda S2000s have appreciated or gone up in value over the last few years? I did know that some Hondas have appreciated, but that's because I own a Honda myself, but 
I did. I did not know that. These these old Hondas they run forever, and I think that's uh, they got they've gotten a good rep, which I think has helped the value. Also, some some yeah, like collectible cars also can appreciate in value, mm-hmm. but most cars when you're when you're if you buy an if you're buying a new car, it's considered a depreciating asset. Yeah, and Honda S two thousands are a sports car, so in addition to Honda like maintaining value a little bit better. So same with Toyotas, Subarus, they typically maintain their value a little bit better, even though they still depreciate over time. Um, that's part of the reason why it's going up. It's a collectible type of car, like Jake's. Right. Right. Um, so trade-in value is the amount of money you may get if you trade in a vehicle that you already own towards the purchase of another vehicle. Sticker price is the amount the dealer may have listed for the cost of the vehicle. When you negotiate that cost, the final amount may be lower than the sticker price. A title is an important legal document that contains the vehicle identification number, mileage on the car, when you purchase it, name and address of the owner, etc. That title establishes who owns the car. And titles are issued by the Secretary of State and currently, as of today, costs $150 in Illinois. Registration is often associated with titles and it is required in all 50 states. You are required by law to register any vehicles you own with the Department of Transportation or Department of Motor Vehicles, whatever your state has. Whenever you register a car, you get your license plates. You may be issued temporary plates until you get yours in the mail, but you'll eventually get that those metal license plates that you put on your car that indicate that your car is registered with your states. You're required to renew your vehicle registration every year where you get a sticker that goes on that metal plate that I talked about with the year on it. Currently, As of today, the registration renewal in Illinois is $151 every year. If your sticker is not up to date, you can face fines. Um, You can transfer plates if you trade in a vehicle, but if there's any lapse in ownership between vehicles, you won't be able to transfer license plates from what I understand. I tried to do that with one of my previous vehicles, but I had sold the car already and they were like no you can't have your fun license plates on this new vehicle that you bought yeah it's the title and registration aspect is definitely something you gotta you gotta keep an eye out for and i will say i did once get a ticket for not having the right sticker on my car so i know people are always like that's not a thing that actually happened no i was in the movies at a movie theater and the cop went up and down the rows and gave everybody whose um, license plate was expired a ticket. So it does happen. I wish you guys could all see Andrea's face right now. Like I have for- I've forgotten to put the sticker actually on. Like I've, I've gotten in the mail and I forgot to put the sticker on, right? And I've had cops tell me, hey, did you know your, your stickers expired? Oh, I need to get it out of the glove box, right? They just remind me because they're nice. It's just so crazy to think that someone would just go through a whole parking lot. Yep, that's what happened. And I could tell because you could see the tickets on the other cars like oh, near mine, right? So. so sad. Yeah. But enforcement is, is real. I was going to say, and I've never forgotten since then so it worked it's a hard way to learn a lesson so buying a car costs more money than just what you initially pay for it so you may be like this is a great deal this used car is two thousand dollars oh okay but but what is the true cost of owning that car especially over a long period of time so you have the initial cost If you have to finance your car, taking out a loan, um, you have interest, so you're paying more. You have to factor in your gas or fuel um, 
whatever you may need that and I, I'm going to say too that I know electric cars are are and hybrids are up and coming as well but they still have associated even if you don't have gas then you may need a different battery or something that you have to factor in um for the long term um, any rep- I was just going to say some plug-in hybrids you may have to like put an outlet a special outlet into your home to be able to charge that car yeah and they they still need they don't run on gas but they run on electricity so you're probably going to see an increase on your electric bill if you have a an electric car that you're charging at home every night exactly so you you want to think through those things um any repairs that come along not just if you get into an accident right like there are repairs that you may need your brakes go out or there's something wrong with your steering wheel as your car get, gets older, you're gonna to have to repair it. Same thing with maintenance, yearly maintenance, oil changes, um, things like that that come up. Parking, if like, I'm lucky I have a garage so I don't have to pay to park overnight, but you know, I know that's not the case everywhere. Um, I, I've had friends who live in the city who then have to rent a separate parking spot. Plus, you're also thinking about where you're going. Um, you know, if I want to go to the Shed Aquarium or wherever, I'm going to pay for parking there. Um, insurance, which is a whole thing that Jake's going to get into in a little bit. <laughs> and then again, your title and registration that Andrea was just talking about. That, re- that registration fee is yearly. So that's something you definitely want to think about when you're doing your budget. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of external costs associated with owning a car or or having a car. You know, even if you have a lease, you still have to have insurance on that car that you're driving. There are a whole lot of associated costs with the car. And and like Nikki said, we want to talk about one specifically, which is insurance. Uh, Later on this year, we plan to have a specialist from the Illinois Department of insurance to talk more in depth about car insurance. Uh, But I figured I would go over with some basics with the listeners to let the listeners know what in in a past life, I, um, I used to work for an insurance company and I sold car and uh, and home insurance. Um, My name is Jake and you could maybe guess the company that I worked for. I'll just let, I'll let the listeners decide if they think uh, that fits or not, but Car insurance is something that is required uh, when you own a car. You have to have car insurance to drive a car. Uh, It's in Illinois, but also all other 50 states as well. You can set up payments how you like. Uh, Typically, most most insurance policies are sold on a six-month basis, so you have to renew your policy every six months. Um, You can pay the full amount of your insurance policy uh, six months at a time or most companies will offer to allow you to do monthly payments, or you can even do like half. You can do like every three months you can pay. Um, most major auto insurance companies do not offer annual policies. They, but it is an option if if your if your company offers that. But it's just not a, it's not a very common thing. If you do not have car insurance, which is illegal, and I would not recommend it, uh, and you get in an accident. Uh, you may be given a range of consequences, anywhere from fines to having your license suspended and you can't drive anymore to potentially jail time. Uh, and you're also going to be held liable for the damages caused. Um, there are, there is, we'll, we'll cover, I'll cover this in a second. There is such thing as called uninsured uh, motorist coverage that covers upfront costs, but they will still hold uh, the uninsured motorist liable for those causes. They're going to come after you if you don't have insurance and you've caused uh, an accident or something. And there's a there's a wide range of plans that you can pick from when it comes to coverage for your car. Um, but at the very least, there are required minimums, and these vary from state to state. But we want to go over the ones in Illinois. At the very least, you're in Illinois. You're required to have three types of coverage: uh, body bodily injury liability, which covers medical costs due to an accident that you cause, property damage liability, which covers the repair cost um, for property damage for someone else's property uh, that you cause damage to, 
uh, and then uninsured motorist coverage, which prepares the cost for injury, bodily injury, uh, in the event that you are in an accident with someone who does not have insurance. In Illinois, uh, you're only required to carry uninsured motorist coverage for bodily injury, not personal property injury. Um, and there are different levels of coverage that you can have uh, to cover in case of an accident. It's like with any insurance, you can pick varying levels of coverage. Um, but in Illinois, the minimums are $25,000 uh, for bodily injury if there is one person involved in the accident, $50,000 for bodily injury if there's two or more people involved in the accident, and $20,000 for uh, property damage if uh, for any piece of property that's involved in the accident. And, and these are all things that cover damage that you've caused. So this is, a, this is when you get in an accident and it's your fault. Uh, if, if you get in an accident and it's not your fault, then the other person's insurance takes care of it. Um, there are other types of insurance you can carry. Most people, if you have like a newer car, will cover, will get insurance for damage to their car as well, like collision coverage or gap insurance, um, like collision coverage. Obviously, if you get in an accident with your vehicle and you hit somebody else, you bang up their car, but your car's dam damaged too, you're going to want your car to be fixed as well. Um, so you can pay extra for that and that'll be added to your premium. If you, if you want that type of coverage, um, especially on newer cars, like I have a very old car, so I don't cover that. I cover liability only, which is only the required um, levels. So you kind of have to factor in whether or not it's worth it to you, you know, whether if you get an accident and your car is badly damaged, would it make sense to file a claim and get all of, um, get all of that damage fixed? Or does it just make sense to, to buy a new car at that point? Uh, the premium is the amount you're charged for the insurance. That's the amount that you pay to be insured by the company. Uh, it's basically just a kind of fancy word for the, for the cost associated with your insurance. So um, the premium is like whatever you, insured person pays to the overall company and then the insurance company pools that and then they pay out um, when people file claims or accident claims. And that insurance rate, the premium rate that you pay can change year to year or renewal to renewal uh, based on a number of things. So it's important to shop around and compare prices at different insurance companies to see uh, what is best for you and your situation um, and see where you can probably find the best premium or maybe the best deal, maybe one company you might have to pay a higher premium for, but they might offer better coverage than other companies do. Um, but some factors that go into your insurance rate are um, your age. Um, so when you're younger, you typically pay more because the insurance companies deem you to be riskier drivers. Uh, gender is also a factor. Um, and this can depend on how old you are. So age and gender kind of work in tandem together, uh, whether the insurance adjusters deem you riskier or less risky. Uh, your credit history factors into your insurance rate. Uh, your driving record obviously factors in. So if you've been in a lot of accidents, you're gonna have to pay more for insurance than people who haven't been in a lot of accidents. And then the type of car that you're driving also factors in as well as where, as well as where you live. Um, you know, insurance companies have mountains and mountains of data that they use on whether a certain zip code has higher rates of accidents or break-ins and they use all of this to determine your your insurance rate and obviously the type of car a sports car is going to be more risky it's a faster car that's going to be more expensive to insure you know an exotic car a more expensive car is going to be more expensive to insure than a used cheaper car as well so all of this factors in uh, to your insurance rate uh, and I think we should probably talk about deductibles as well. Uh, a, an insurance deductible is the amount you pay up front before your insurance covers the rest of the payment. So a lot of people might hear, you might have something like a $250 or a $500 deductible on your insurance plan. Um, what that means is deductibles really only come into play when you're thinking about like collision coverage on your own vehicle. Um, so if you choose to file that claim with your insurance company, um, you will probably have to pay the first 500 of whatever damage is caused to your vehicle. And then the insurance company will pay the rest. Um, and, you know, this is something I would tell people all the time when they call in to ask about claims, 
yeah, kind of have to weigh the cost, you know, the benefits to filing a claim versus the deductible. You know, if it's only $750 worth of damage on your car and your deductible is $500, you have to pay $500 and the insurance company is only going to kick in $250. And then you have an accident on your, your record. You have a claim on your record that could potentially raise the rate of your premium over time. So in the long run, you could be paying a lot more than just covering the 750 by yourself. So these are all things to think about when you're, when you're dealing with your car insurance. And again, this is where I'm going to put a plug in to make sure you're always reading all of your paperwork yeah. that comes through. Well, you'll probably, we'll probably say this a lot on this episode, but it's important to read the fine print um, on your car loan, your car lease, your insurance policy, all of that. It's, it's important to really dig in and, and read all the fine print. And, and I'll be very honest too, that like for me, when I first started doing all this, it was all overwhelming and I didn't even reading it, I would get confused. It's also important that it, if you're like me in that regard, that you're working with a professional that maybe you trust an insurance that to give you, uh, to kind of guide you that way. Um, I know we're also going to talk about this in an upcoming um, episode as well, how to ch choose and look for a financial kind of planner um, to help, but I'm just going to put that out there that like, for me, I know that that's a weakness of, of mine when it comes to the insurance gets very confusing for me. And we are very lucky that um, we've had a really good relationship with our insurance um, provider for years from my parents. And so I do, I, I trust them when they tell me these things. Um, or advice. yeah, that's so that's kind of how the insurance in industry is set up. You know, you have a thousand agents in a in a given town, um, and they're all trying to you know win your win your business. But um, you want to make sure you have a good relationship with your insurance agent. You know, there's someone that should be explaining these complicated things to you and and making it easy for you to understand when you're when you're looking for that. So I mean, if you're shopping around for car insurance and somebody seems reluctant to answer your questions or something like that, you know, maybe look for somebody who, who does a better job of explaining these, these costs, you know, that are all associated with this. I think whenever you do comparison pricing on insurance, which you should probably do every couple of years anyway, um, talking to multiple different types of insurance companies can also give you more insight as to what's normal and, that can be helpful too. All right, so let's talk about planning for the true costs of owning a car. Uh, you wanna sit down and figure out how much a car will potentially cost you over the long term. We can think about the ongoing costs of car ownership as fixed, flexible, and occasional expenses, just like when we're planning for other aspects of our budget or our spending plan. So for fixed expenses, those are amounts that you pay, uh, typically the same amount each month or payment period. And examples of this when it comes to car ownership is things like your car loan payment, you make that every month. Insurance might be monthly, like Jake said, or quarterly or semi-annually, um, or even parking, like Nikki mentioned earlier, if you have to rent a space. Flexible expenses when it comes to car ownership are those that you have regularly, but the price varies. So some examples include things like fuel, tolls, maybe parking, like Nikki's case, going to the museum, going to the shed aquarium. Um, if I go downtown, I got to pay for parking. If I can't, if I park on campus, it's very expensive for me to park on campus, but that would be a flexible expense. Um, and then occasional expenses are those that you don't have regularly, so they can kind of sneak up on you. For a car, these expenses usually include things like repairs, possibly maintenance if you don't plan for those ahead of time since it's not an every month thing, um, registration because it occurs annually. But you, you can plan for the maintenance and the registration uh, expenses. Uh, if you pay for insurance semi-annually or quarterly, like we talked about earlier, um, that might be something that calls into the occasional expense category too. I pay for my 
uh, insurance yearly because it's bundled with my house insurance. So planning for these expenses, including the flexible expenses with maybe ranges or averages for those flexible expenses, ensures that you can actually afford a car. Uh, you can look at how much it will cost you yearly or break it up by month. There are even calculators that you can use to estimate the true cost of car ownership based on the make and model of the car you wanna buy. So some examples include, there's one from Edmonds, there's one from Kelly Blue Book, and I think the Department of Energy even has one, which is really cool. It kind of simplifies that process because they are already looking at what the typical maintenance costs are and repair costs for different makes, models, and years of cars. So let's say you're, if, if buying a car is a goal of yours, you might consider applying the SMART goal method, which we've talked about before, um, to break, but you might break those things into steps, break that goal into steps. So for example, let's say, I wanna buy a new vehicle. I wanna buy a new electric hybrid car in the future because reducing my carbon footprint is really important to me. So my first goal might be that I will research and compare the true cost of car ownership for different plug-in hybrid vehicle models by August 1st. And then based on my research, I'll decide which model in the year that I wanna get and decide how much of a down payment that I will need to be able to purchase the car with a better interest rate than um, if I don't have any type of uh, down payment. And then I'll decide what time frame works best for reaching that savings goal based on kind of my budget and what resources I have available to me. And then let's say my, my second goal is I'm gonna pull my credit reports from annualcreditreport.com. Uh, to kind of see where I may need to pay more attention to my credit behavior over the next few months or up to a year to get a better rate on my future loan. And I'm going to do that by September 1st. So for goal three, let's see, I've already done steps one and two. This is where I can really flesh out that SMART goal where I'm specific, looking at the measurements that I need. Uh, I've already agreed with my partner on what car we're going to buy. Uh, I'm making sure that it's a realistic and time-based goal. So my goal is then I will save $5,000 towards the down payment of a white Volvo XC90 recharge by May 1st, 2022 by dedicating $455 of my paycheck every month towards savings. Which is a lot. That is a lot, but I want an expensive car and I'm old now so I can afford it. Sounds like uh, this example has, has had some thought behind it. I don't, yes. You guys don't know this about this is just me. Purely for, purely for educational purposes, right, Andrew? Andrew? I I love cars. <laughs> and so like, you guys may not know this. I, I used to sell and install car stereos, alarms, remote starts when I was in college. It was like, in, I was deep in the aftermarket car audio industry and I'm no longer there, but I still go and look at new cars. I like test driving cars. I like it. My, my husband hates buying cars. So <laughs> Andrea, were you, were you the person riding around with like 15 inch subwoofers? Your... I, I had a modest 12 inch 60 pound <laughs> subwoofer, two amplifiers. I had to have one for my highs and one for my 60 pound subwoofer. Naturally. I, I custom built my box. It had to be built in my trunk because it's so big. When I, when <laughs> I sold my car, I had to cut it out of the trunk. You, this is mind blowing on many levels to me. <laughs> I think everybody, I think everybody had that, that one person in high school, uh, who would always roll up to school with the big subwoofers in their car. I didn't know that was Andrea though. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do it in high school because <laughs> I was in college when I got into it. So that wasn't that's, me in high school. I didn't do a, any of the, yeah. 
that's a fun hobby i can say as an owner of a of a car that is 18 years old um yeah my car just turned 18 years old this year so uh congratulations but yeah i've had my eye on the lookout for a new car as well because once you've hit that two hundred thousand mile mark on your car you should probably be prepared to buy a new one if you if you if you need to Um, so jake if you want need someone to go with you i know that i can drive some cars I'll do it. I also know how to drive manual, so we can take out some sports cars. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate the offer. Um, but, but now that we've talked about how to determine if you can afford a car, let's talk about the process of actually buying the car. Um, so we've said this with a lot of different things, but the first step is to research. Um, always do your research up front. Um, and a lot of that is going to be online these days, um, whether you want to go look at Kelly Blue Book or the NADA, which stands for National Automobile Dealers Association. Um, You can ask friends and family about their cars and what type of cars that they like, what do they like driving about their cars. You know, if somebody asked me about my Honda, I'm going to tell them all the things that I love about it. Um, You you know, you have to decide what features you want. and what car you look, what brand. Um, some brands may offer better features than others. Um, some models might have better features than others. You know, you don't, you might want a specific make, make and model of a car, but even within that, there's the basic versions and then there's the sport versions and the nicer versions that might have nicer interior seats and a bigger engine and all these things. Um, you're gonna wanna look at safety ratings if that's important to you, you know, if you're out there looking for a sports car, you might not care about the safety ratings. Um, but if you're, you know, planning on driving around the little tykes, and that's probably something that you're really concerned with is the safety ratings. Um, and then you're going to figure out like Andrea did how much you need to save for a down payment. You'll need to find out if you're going to have a co-signer on your loan, if you're going to get a loan on the car. And those are kind of the initial steps to take uh, when you're when you're starting your research. So after you gather your initial research, you'll want to compare your top choices. So that may be by like let's say you find a car you really like. Um, can you find it used versus new? What are the differences in price? Um, does one work better? You know, way that that used versus new option in your head. Um, Lease or buy. Andrea had talked about leasing a car earlier. Um, So not every car you can lease, but you may want to look to see if the car that you're eyeing, if leasing is an option for you. Um, You're also going to want to look at loan terms at different locations. So there are two types of financing your car purchase. The first is directly with a bank, a credit union, an auto finance company, et cetera. The other is with the dealer. Um, And then the dealer takes your info and forwards to lenders. So you just wanna make sure you're comparing lots of different loan choices to get the lowest rate that you can, particularly when it comes to interest. Yeah, we've talked about that before with like shopping around for credit. Um, you know, there's multiple options available to you when you're looking for a loan. Right. And, and so don't feel bad. Like if you're sitting at the dealership and they're trying to sell you on something, take, take your time to do that research to get the lowest rate you can. Um, another consideration when you're trying to figure out your top choices are, do you have something, do you have a car already that you could trade in, um, at one dealership rather than another dealership. If you have, you know, if you're comparing two new cars, let's say, um, that what is the value of your trade-in? How does that help and offset costs, et cetera. And then also make sure you're comparing your top choices on key features of your car. So like for me, if I'm gonna buy a new car, um, I know, that I want the backup camera to help me parallel park. Because personally, 
I am a bad parallel parker. I know this about myself. So my next car, I said, this is something that I am going to watch. <laughs> um, so want to make sure it has those types of key features that you want. And then there's also all these bonus ones, right? That like, I feel like every car comes with something different. So you may want to compare, all right, this one has seat warmers. This one has a sunroof, whatever it might be to kind of compare and, and make a list to see what matters more to you. It's good to know, right? You know what you want. I mean, I do. That is just okay. one thing that I think would make my life a little bit less stressful. I wish I was a better parallel parker. I've had two people try very hard to help me. And while they, it's helped, I still get very nervous, particularly if I'm trying to parallel park in the city of Chicago because the, they're very tight spaces. Always. So let's say you've decided on all the things you want and you've done as much research as is possible. Um, now you wanna go buy the car, right? So in the United States, uh, there are not very many places where you can negotiate prices um, as there are in a lot of other countries, but buying a car or a house is one of those times you definitely want to and probably should try to negotiate costs. This isn't gonna be the case at all dealerships or even with all private sellers, but it's important to know that it is an option for you. And doing your research ahead of time can really help you in the negotiation process. So one thing to know is a higher down payment can sometimes give you a little more leverage when it comes to negotiating the price of something, but there, is often some type of minimum required down payment. So you also wanna know about that if you're gonna be seeking financing, for instance, especially with those newer vehicles or even with some leased vehicles. Um, again, don't feel like you need to get that loan from the dealer either. You can check with your financial institution, just like Nikki talked about before, you have a lot of options. Um, and then, when you're thinking about trading, is trading in your vehicle, your current vehicle gonna actually help you save on closing costs? Can you use it in leverage for negotiating the price? Or do you wanna try to sell your current vehicle on your own? Um, and sometimes you can use tools like the Kelly Blue Book or NADA to look at what the value would be for trading um, versus if you, try to do it, try to sell it yourself. Um, but again, there's liability there because you'll have to pay for insurance until you're able to sell it, for instance. And then when it comes to negotiation, you wanna be willing to walk away. So just remember that it's a stressful thing to buy a car sometimes. You're talking to a lot of different people in a lot of cases. Um, so just be willing to walk away. It's always a good idea to test drive whatever vehicle you're planning to buy, particularly if it's used. If you're buying a brand new car, test driving a similar vehicle, and then let's say it doesn't have all the features you want and you want to special order it from the, the manufacturer, that's fine. You probably want to test drive at least something similar to it before you, you spend all that money on a brand new car. Um, and then again, read all the fine print and don't let the dealer or any of the business office people rush you. I was in a situation once where uh, a business officer was trying to hide costs in the paperwork and he thought that I wouldn't read it all or ask questions. Um, and I, I found him doing some fraudulent activity. So you don't want to let them rush you even if it's just to make sure that the paperwork is accurately put together. And then again, save all the paperwork um, for the future as well. So you won't get the title to the car until after your payment is processed usually, um, especially if you're paying out of pocket or after you've completely paid off your loan if you're financing it. And that's important to remember. You won't actually physically get the title until payment has processed. I think it's also worth mentioning 
that if you want to buy a used car, you don't need to go to a dealer to buy one. You, you might do a private sale, but you want to take a few different precautions if you are going to buy from a private seller. So you might um, have a mechanic look over the vehicle if you're not comfortable after you've test driven it. Um, maybe read up on the required paperwork for private vehicle sales in Illinois. I know people sometimes travel to other states to buy vehicles, so you might have to do additional research there. You'll probably need a bill of sale, for example. Um, and if even if you're the one purchasing the vehicle, uh, you might want to bring that bill of sale paperwork with you just in case the seller doesn't know about it or doesn't have that with them. Um, you might want to meet at your financial institution to make the transaction if you're paying for it for it in cash, for instance. Um, and then with a private sale, if you're paying for cat paying for it with cash, you want to make sure that you do have the title in hand when the transaction is complete. You don't want someone to be like, hey, we'll mail you the title later. Um, you actually want to have it. <laughs> and then you'll have to be the one that takes initiative to process the initial title and registration paperwork at the DMV, for instance, since there's not gonna be a dealer to do it for you and making sure that you're aware of what that process is is really important if you're doing a private sale. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that you need to consider. It's, uh, you know, I've, I've bought multiple cars off of Craigslist because um, I'm the type that just buys old cars and drives them into the ground, but um, there's a lot more to it than just finding a car and then going and handing cash and getting the car. Um, there's definitely a lot more to consider. So make sure you, you check up on all that before you go to buy a car. Uh, but like all of our other topics, uh, we really want to focus um, and encourage you to watch out for scams and fraud um, while you're shopping for a car. Um, as Andrea mentioned, definitely read the fine print, you know, make sure you're reading all of the documents very thoroughly. Um, get somebody else to help you read the documents to make sure you don't miss anything uh, and make sure you really know what you are signing. Um, definitely be wary of car insurance for warranty phone calls. I know we've talked about scam calls on the podcast before, and I think that the warranty phone calls are one of the most popular types of scam calls that people get these days. I know myself, I get like Sometimes it seems I'll get like three or four calls a day about the extended warranty on my car that is 18 years old and hasn't had a warranty for probably a decade. Uh, so just something to watch out for. Um, they do it for car insurance too. Um, I get so, them for both car insurance and the warranty on my car. Yes, you so. have to be. You have to be very wary of scam calls. Uh, typically. If you have not solicited a call, if you're getting unsolicited calls about these things, you should be very skeptical of them. Um, if you're buying used, you know, make sure you're, you have all of the necessary paperwork, like the title, bill of sale, like Andrew just talked about. Uh, and I would recommend um, having the car checked out by a mechanic as well before you make that final purchase, especially if you're not super knowledgeable about the inner workings of a car. Sometimes a mechanic might find something that might not be glaringly obvious as a defect in the car. You know, I've purchased a, a used car before that seemed perfectly fine on the test drive. And then two months after we bought it, all these things started going wrong. Uh, even though we did have a mechanic check that one out actually, but that still happens. So it's something you gotta watch out for. Uh, in Illinois, uh, we also have what's called a limit law. Many states have these laws. Um, limit laws only apply to dealerships though. Uh, use cars by private sellers, you're not eligible for it. And lemon laws are laws that protect consumers in the effect of, in the event that they purchase a defective product. So if you go and buy a car and your car starts breaking down and it meets certain qualifications, uh, then it could be classified as a lemon. And then you can get all of these protections for yourself as a consumer um, that kick in once it's been determined that you bought a defective product. Uh, and if you think you may need help or to report um, an actual fraud, uh, you can always contact the Illinois Attorney General's Office, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, or the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, um, and we'll put the we'll put the the links for those for those resources in the show notes as well. 
yeah, check, make sure you check the show notes because we, we've said a few few times we'll have some more information there. And just to clear up in case people are like, what are show notes? <laughs> we've never really talked about it before, but it's kind of in the description of um, the podcast. It will list um, all the links that we reference. So um, thank you very much for joining us today. Buying a car or any large purchase purchase can be very overwhelming and we only brush the surface of what we could talk about here regarding buying a car so you can also check out a webinar on this same exact subject that has a little bit more detail um, and goes into a variety of different um, aspects that we didn't necessarily go into and that webinar is actually on demand it's on the youtube channel that again if you check the show notes will be there and you can access that anytime that's convenient for you. So I hope that we've shown you that it is possible to budget and plan for car expenses, even if it takes a lot of work. And we wanna urge you to really research if you're thinking about buying a car and critically look at what your personal budget uh, is to ensure that owning a car is a reasonable thing or reasonable expense for you. Great point, Andrea. And join us next time when we talk about financial personalities. Uh, financial personalities are a really important part of understanding your own financial habits and how you can increase your overall financial health. Uh, and Andrea, I know, is really excited to do that one. Uh, so be sure to tune in to our next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share with your family and friends. We'll talk to you guys next time.